Growth Igniters Radio, Episode 62, The Art of Authenticity. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success on the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And with me, as always, is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. And as always, it's so great to be here with you again for another episode of Growth Igniter's Radio. And if this is your first time listening, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So, Pam, What are we focusing on today? Authenticity and what it takes to be an authentic leader. Mm -hmm. So, Scott, what would you say is a common view of authenticity? Well, we've often heard people say things like, you're either authentic or you're not. You're either the real deal or you're a phony. So that's what we hear. Yes, that's uh, certainly one way to look at it. But the truth is that it's much more nuanced than that. There are actually many shades of authenticity and many factors that go into whether other people see us as authentic and trustworthy. And that's why we're delighted to be speaking today with Dr. Carissa Thacker, founder and president of Strategic Performance Solutions Incorporated, a management training and consulting firm dedicated to elevating people to reach their highest potential and career satisfaction. She's also author of the book, The Art of Authenticity, a guidebook on how to transform your career by tapping into your authentic self. Good book. Yes. Carissa is often quoted in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Forbes, MSNBC, and many other major outlets, and is a sought-after authority on the subject of authentic leadership. Her articles have appeared in many magazines, including Harvard Business Review, Business News Daily, and elsewhere. Carissa, welcome to Growth Igniter's Radio. Thank you, Pam. Hi, Scott. I'm delighted to be here with you guys today. It's great to have you with us. And we want to talk about authenticity because it is something that's becoming more and more talked about. Let's start out first. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to write your book? One of the things about authenticity and one of the things that we know about how people grow in their authenticity is through telling their own stories and hearing the stories of other other people that are real. And so there's this connection and this meaning making that happens in conversation. And the biggest part of the motivation for me in writing the book is that I was in the middle of my career and I realized that I had a lot of stories that I hadn't told and a lot of things that I had learned from just fantastic leaders that I had worked with throughout the years. I talk in the book about how some of us are open books and others of us are cautious souls. And so the book really was a challenge to myself to open up and tell my stories and uh, move a little bit more toward an open book, but I'm still a cautious soul. But it's my effort at uh, opening up, telling my stories, and hopefully encouraging others to do the same. Okay. The title of your book is The Art of Authenticity. So obviously there are nuances in there. And the first part, is titled A New Vision of Authenticity. So what do you mean by authenticity and what's this new vision? 
I think the new vision has to do with finding ways to be yourself and be successful at the same time. So I kept hearing these conversations that Pam was was referencing, you know, oh, he's authentic or he's not. And it was almost this sorting way of looking at people. And it occurred to me one day that we were talking about ourselves and human nature as if we were Rolex watches or a Fendi purse. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I can remember when I first moved to New York, there were those street guys, you know, and they had these Fendi purses and I kept passing <laughs> and I kept passing and I kept passing. But one day I caved in and I gave him my 50 bucks and I had my first quote unquote Fendi purse. Well, it lasted a couple of weeks and it was pretty oh. clear that it wasn't authentic. It wasn't the real uh, deal. It wasn't the real deal. But when it comes to people and human nature and leadership in particular, it's not that simple. So how do we make sense of authenticity in a world where human nature is deeply affected by circumstance, deeply affected by situations? So the question is, am I authentic yet? And the book is an invitation to open the conversation with yourself, if you will, because Pam, the reality is that it's not possible for me to know if someone else is authentic or not. And it's a bit of a fool's errand. But if my goal was to become more authentic, then that's something that I can impact and I can choose to do on a daily basis. Okay, just out of curiosity then, why do you think we go for trying to figure this out? Why is that sort of almost natural human nature? You know, people have a drive to be authentic that is in age. A wonderful developmental psychologist named Susan Harder pinpointed the moment when people are aware developmentally of being authentic or not or speaking their true feelings. And it occurs in early adolescence. And teenagers will report discomfort when they feel like they have to fake it or hide parts of themselves. And I think as we move through life, our authenticity meter goes dormant and we Uh don't necessarily have that sense of whether we're being authentic or not. So... We've been talking about this new vision. How does the digital era impact our need to become more authentic, especially as leaders? A couple of things are happening in the digital era. Uh, First, anything that can be done and automated can be done by a computer. And if we think about the industrial era versus the digital era, one could, in the industrial era, earn financial security and a good living by basically doing the same thing every day um, and being mechanical, if you will. We now find ourselves in an era where most of those jobs are going away. If it can be automated, it will. So one of the ideas that I kept playing with in preparation for the book is, you know, in contrast to the industrial era, finding your own quirkiness and making a unique creative contribution may well be more adaptive in this era than it was in the industrial era. So if you think about it from the point of view of, we know that being authentic on a philosophical and psychological level tends to promote more meaning, more happiness, more well-being. But what if in this digital era, it also promotes more effectiveness and more success? That's a really interesting concept. Yeah, and in fact, it ties in with a book by Daniel Pink that we reviewed a few months ago, A Whole New Mind, 
uh, and you're probably familiar with that, Carissa, he talks about how being more right-brained in today's digital era is going to make us more unique and more useful as opposed to outsourcing or having machine do it. And authenticity is definitely part of that. Yes, absolutely. And I think that for us to begin to cultivate what is unique about ourselves, even in the educational system, starting in primary school, is really something that we should consider given what Dan and, and others have talked about in terms of the shifting landscape uh, of work. You know, that is a very new vision for authenticity, to be sure. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Dr. Carissa Thacker, author of The Art of Authenticity, about some of the myths surrounding authenticity. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of growth and success. And if you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 62, and use the share links for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly alert of upcoming episodes so you'll always be up to date. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Scott and I are talking today with Dr. Carissa Thacker, author of The Art of Authenticity, about how important authenticity is to all of us, especially to those of us who lead. Carissa, how can people find out more about you and your book? Uh, My website, www.carissathacker.com, is uh, full of information and hopefully has some helpful articles and blogs that uh, people who would like to dive more deeply into the subject matter can. And, of course, there's there's an opportunity to look at the book and uh, get an excerpt and or buy a copy. And also, you can access this by visiting growthignitersradio.com, episode 62, and getting links that way as well. So uh, let's get back to our conversation. I've been looking at your book. uh, It's organized in such a way that you have the new vision. In the second part of your book, you have the science of authenticity. And you discuss how many people mistake charisma for authenticity, which I thought was especially timely today. (laughs) And uh, why is that? What should we all be on the lookout for? I think that we, we mistake the two for the simple reason that both authenticity and charisma create intense feelings of positivity and connection to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you have with charisma is this excitement. But what we know after doing decades of research on charisma is there is no clear link to results with charisma. and. The way to think about it is that charismatic leaders can be authentic, and authentic leaders can lack charisma. So two, Wait two a different... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a little bit of a tongue twister. So yes. you can be authentic uh, without being charismatic. You certainly can be authentic without being charismatic. And you charismatic. can be charismatic but not be authentic. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is important is for for my readers and our listeners here to have an understanding of the clues that could lead you in the direction of, hey, am I dealing with somebody who's just very charismatic and maybe not the real deal here? And the distinction that you want to listen for is actually based in science. And there are certain approaches and ways of thinking that greater me leaders take. And then there are certain approaches and ways of thinking that greater good leaders think. Greater me, greater good. What's that? Greater me versus greater good. So greater me leaders are leaders who are leading to elevate themselves. Greater Ah, good leaders mm. are leading to elevate the greater good. Now, if we step back and we get really honest about human behavior and our tribal nature, we are all looking out for ourselves to a certain extent. So there is no pure greater good leader and well, I started to say there is no pure greater me leader, but that might not be the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but looking at it from that perspective, what are some of the clues? And the first clue is what kind of people does the leader surround him or herself with? And I mean their closest mm-hmm. associates. Do you notice anybody in that circle who actually challenges the leader's point of view? And if not, you very well may have uh, a charismatic leader who is more about greater me than greater good. Mm -hmm. Um, A second clue is about the team dynamics. So if you have a leader and there's a team, and we humans are hierarchical by nature, we always need a leader. But what are the dynamics among the team? Does the leader promote the team to think about ideas and the bigger picture or him or herself. I worked with a team one time and I sat in a meeting and I counted how many times, let's say the guy's name was Scott, how many times. (laughs) No resemblance to the person sitting over there. (laughs) How many times the team referred to Scott versus a principal or an idea in the room. Mm -hmm. And within 30 minutes, it was 52 times. Wow. And It's just very interesting. So that's also one of the clues that you can look for. And then the third one is to begin to sort of dig below the surface with your leader or manager and try and understand who they are as a person. Back to the top of the call when I said that authentic leaders tell their stories and listen Mm -hmm. to the stories of others. And we and we when we figure out the truth and connect in that way. And so you're looking for a leader that can connect with you below the surface when the time is appropriate as well. So they actually have to invest in the relationship. If they're investing in the relationship, that's a sign. Yes, yes. I think that's a huge sign, Pam. Um, I can't take that one directly from science, and I tried to stay pretty close to the science in the book, but in practice, I think that bears out well. One of the things I tried to do in the book is blend the science and the practice, and I will have to say that even though the science doesn't take us where you just went directly, Pam, it's definitely there in experience. Okay. Well, we've been talking about uh, reading other people for signs of authenticity versus charisma. In your book, you also state that the notion of self-awareness in people is incomplete. So obviously, self-awareness is part of our authenticity and our ability to become more authentic. So what's missing in this? You know, we talk about ourselves as if we are like fixed, like concrete blocks, Uh like uh, there's no malleability to who we are. 
And I find that problematic because the more highly functional a person is, usually the more they're able to vary and adapt to different situations. So okay. I, I want to move us from self-awareness to, you know, a conversation. Wow, I'm an introvert. Here's my little introvert box. Let me hang uh-huh. out in my introvert <laughs> box uh-huh. <laughs> to, to, okay, what are the values and bigger picture ideals that motivate you? And that is much deeper than a personality trait. Um, mm-hmm. Becoming your best self may involve stretching out of your comfort zone. Uh, being an introvert or an extrovert is primarily about your comfort zone. And I just pick on that one because we use it so much in the business world. But what I want to do is take us beyond trait psychology to the deeper questions about okay. who we want to be as leaders. Okay, so I agree that we we adapt to the situation. I've heard some people referred to as they swing in the breeze. You know, they're 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 phonies. They you know tell people whatever they want to hear. What's the difference between that and, and what you're talking about? You know, one of the one of the tools in the book is um, a free link to go on and measure yourself on what we psychologists call self monitoring. Uh-huh. And one of the things that we know from personality psychology is that some people are better at self-monitoring, Scott, or adapting to situations than others. Uh, the, the quick and dirty way to look at it is, is a person, an onion with a lot of layers or an mm-hmm. avocado, where you sort of know what you're getting. I mean, the center of an avocado is the center of an avocado. Onions, mm-hmm. not so much. Right. So, so, so I think... That's a useful tool because a person who is by nature more of a self-monitoring person and does adapt to situations could be authentic. That may be an authentic part of them. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to leave off the fact that what you're talking about, too, Scott, is there are some bad apples, you know, who who may not be looking out for the greater good. Uh, but one of the distinctions that I think is important in figuring that out is just understanding that one of the variances in personality that is really consistent is this penchant towards self-monitoring or mm-hmm. adapting yourself to situations with more fluidity. I'm a self-monitor. I do it without thinking about it. Okay. But uh, I guess talking about onions and avocados and apples and i'm thinking about transparency here um you know you speak about the myth of total transparency which i thought was interesting and it kind of i think it's related to the onions and and avocados somehow especially as we're in an age of transparency where everybody you know transparency is like a favorite word it's a watchword yeah Yeah, it, it really is and now you're talking about the myth of total transparency so let's talk about that briefly I think about when when people say things like, I just want to be totally transparent, my BS <laughs> monitor kind of goes beep, 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 beep. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me be co- perfectly frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I be totally honest with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and a couple of things with that. One, I talk about in the book what I call the truth serum question. Mm-hmm. And whatever a client of mine is is really you know, torqued up about, you know, how nobody's telling the truth and what's really going on. And I can't figure it out. I'm, I'm like, imagine for a moment that everything you're thinking and feeling as well as everything that everybody else is thinking and feeling in this place is broadcast. And one of my clients said to me the other day, Carissa, I feel like that's what social media is. <laughs> well, that's yeah. true. It's a very noisy room out there. 
it's a very noisy room. And so the reality is that oftentimes we ourselves as individuals may not have a total awareness of how we feel about certain things and how we actually think about certain things. So there's that that makes total transparency a myth. But there's also just the practicality, which is kind of where we're going in terms of the noise. How do we make transparency uh, a force in the workplace that can actually make us more productive and create more meaningful work. And I think total transparency would be overload. Um, and I think that's what he was expressing and saying, mm-hmm. wow, that's digital world, Carissa. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. Well, it's true. I think you have to you have to grapple with what is what is the balance, I suppose. And what's and, appropriate. And even what you know about yourself mm-hmm. and all of this. And these are all considerations. We're going to talk a little more about how to apply some of these concepts in everyday life after our break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Dr. Carissa Thacker about the art of authenticity. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. Pam, you know, we've been talking for a long time about how critical open and authentic conversations are to success for any company. The thing is, though, we have to admit that sometimes the conversations that really need to happen just don't happen for, for a variety of reasons. That's right. Too many to go into right now. So that's why we're going to suggest that you take the opportunity to download a Harper report that we wrote a while back called How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room. Right. Uh, We talk about how to spot elephants in the room at a much earlier stage before they get out of control. That's right. And we give you steps to create the conversations that are critical to get back on track and accelerate momentum. So go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 62, and request your complimentary copy of How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room today. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been talking with Dr. Carissa Thacker, author of The Art of Authenticity, about many of the nuances of authenticity and why it matters more now than ever. Carissa, can you tell us again how people can find out more about you and about your book, The Art of Authenticity? Yes, www.carissathacker.com is my website, and that has all kinds of information about the book and my work in helping people become more effective leaders. That's great. Go to growthignitersradio.com, episode 62, to find out more about Dr. Carissa Thacker that way as well. So now we're at the point in this episode where we want to get down to the immediately practical steps that people can take. Let's say that somebody is driving in their car and they're listening to this episode. What's one thing that they could do to become a more authentic leader? I would encourage people to design an experiment that they could try within the next 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And the reason experimentation is important is we don't have a fixed self. And the more we can play and experiment with who we are, and tell our stories, that helps us become more authentic. So what do I mean by an experiment? 
oftentimes useful experiments are in areas of paradox. So mm -hmm. when I say to people, do you tend to prefer to command or collaborate? Usually people will say command or they'll say collaborate very quickly. When it somebody depends. Yeah, it, <laughs> an experiment would be if somebody said, well, I tend to prefer to collaborate, I would say, try on a command phase tomorrow. Or uh -huh. if it depends, choose one and then try to switch gears, Scott. You know, mm -hmm. design an experiment that takes you to a different place as opposed to being on automatic pilot. The biggest enemy to authenticity, to spontaneity, to finding meaning in our lives is autopilot. So mm -hmm. useful experiments really do keep us engaged in our own game, as well as help us continue to build and create that sense of self that can get stale or fixed. Um, the other one that people usually find useful, as I use the term, uh, some people tend to be open books, other people tend to be more guarded, um, more yeah. cautious souls. So another experiment is that if you tend to be more cautious, Find a specific way tomorrow to open up more. Nothing big, nothing major, no megaphone, but just reach out and build a relationship in a different way. If you tend to be an open book, find a way to protect yourself. So the mm -hmm. experiment is this ongoing, literal experiment with, gee, who am I in the world and what works for me? Well, that makes a lot of sense. And as a person who was trained as a research scientist, experiments uh, are very exciting to me, and you have to be very clear about the question you're asking. What, what do I want to get out of my experiment to get more insight into whatever it is I'm looking into? So 100%, that's great. What's another piece of practical advice? I think if you can name three specific people that you go to often who you know are going to disagree with you, Mm -hmm. and you're, you take their advice, then you are getting a balanced view of the world. If you can't name three people that you surround yourself with who you tend to disagree with, and you actually think they're right at times, you're not surrounding yourself with a balanced point of view about the world. Um, mm. This eco chamber of our own minds, we were talking about digital, I think right. it's even easier in some ways to surround yourself with an eco chamber of people who think just the way that you think. And right. which to is me, dangerous. It's yeah. incredibly dangerous. So yeah. this idea of surrounding ourselves with diverse viewpoints is critical for self-development. So if we're uh, listening to other people, we're taking the other side, we're doing something that would be contrary to our automatic nature, what is it we're supposed to be looking for in ourselves? Because couldn't it be confusing to say, well, I thought that my authentic me was this, and now all of a sudden I'm going against what I thought I valued? Is I'm a little you know, confused. Well, so, so the notion wouldn't be to change political parties with that one, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so the idea would be to take in the alternative viewpoint and really listen to it. But what I have found fascinating over the years is that this experiment method is something I do every day. And I have never had a client come back to me and say that felt fake. What they come back to me and say Carissa, that worked, or Carissa, that didn't work for me. And so this notion of finding what works for you and this idea of continuing to find what might work better for you, that's the point, Pam. So it's stretching your possibilities, really. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. and making you think, well, maybe I've been very habitual in my thinking and there is more to me than I think and that there are more ways for me to grow as a person. That's what I'm up to. People often discover in this process of experimentation that they're capable of far more than they ever thought. So this is great. What's a third thing that people can do? Diane von Furstenberg, um, in her autobiography, famously said, I did not know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew the woman that I wanted to be, which is an interesting philosophical sounding statement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, However, one of the things that we lose sight of in our day-to-day world is that we are becoming a person who embodies certain values and models certain values. So I encourage all of my leaders to, to write down two people that they admire, why they admire them. So let's say uh, I admire Scott, uh, and why do you admire Scott? Uh, because he's intellectually curious. And then use the phrase, I am, and go, I am intellectually curious. Mm, And so mm -hmm. if you start with three or four characteristics, you can really begin to get a sense of the kind of person that you want to be. And I have my leaders go over those statements every morning, if if possible, uh, or keep them in a folio. So this idea of keeping track, not just of what you're doing in your to-do list, But what kind of person, what kind of leader do you want to be? Carissa, this has been a really great conversation. Do you have any final thoughts for us on this particular topic? The thing you want to remember is that there's your success and then there's the being true to yourself and feeling good about where you are in your life. And that's a meter that I think high-powered business folk and entrepreneurs can lose sight of. So there's this accomplishment meter, but there's also that meter of, wow, am I being true to myself? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? So both of those barometers really matter. And the book really is an invitation to pay continual attention to both of those meters. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It was a pleasure. Hi, Carissa, thank you again. And thanks to you out there for listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, share on social media, download how to take control of the elephants in the room, and open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com and select episode 62. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to reflect on. What's one thing that I can do today to experiment on becoming a more authentic leader? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio are service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.